video. A little bit. Today, I want to talk to you about family. And while this video was about a father and his son, today I want to talk to you about a church family. And what I think is a disconnect that has happened in more recent years than what it used to be and a million miles away from what the Bible teaches that it should be. I want to talk to you about church family. I want to talk to you about relationship. I want to talk to you about sacrifice. We're actually picking up, and God knew what he was doing. I didn't get through the message last week. We didn't get to finish our third point, so I went back and picked up from there because we need to continue on in the scriptures. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 9 through 16 today. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 9 through 16. We're going to continue on in the book. Got a few more weeks, and then we're going to start a new series. Um, family is one of the most important things in the world. Agreed? Say amen if you agree. A lot of that has been lost, even when we talk about the immediate family in America, and in America especially. It's being lost to the point that we don't really care all that much about each other. We don't really hang in there and, and suffer together to go continually through life together. We, we tend to be up and down, in and out. And the mentality of, of America especially and in our culture is that we quickly disassociate or we quickly pull away from or we quickly separate from anything around us that is not pleasing to us at the time. Amen? We want it our way, right away, and if it's not that way, then we're going somewhere else to get it. That's why you have the divorce rate climbing. That's why you have dads who abandon their kids sailing. We've gotten away from this mindset that this is where I am called to be, and this is where I am going to be, and no one can stop me from that, not you or even my own personal wants or desires. You see, we are looking too much at ourselves and thinking, what is good for me in this present moment, and what can I do to make myself feel good for the time being? We need desperately to get back to God's Word to get all of that junk out of the way so that we can progress through life in a kingdom-minded kind of way looking to the interest of others rather than ourselves. And we're really hitting that hard in this book because this is a book about leadership. This is a book about striving. This is a book about being Christ-like to those around you and leading them in such a way that it would lead them toward Jesus Christ, toward a life of fulfillment, toward a life of peace, and not toward a life of selfish ambition and turning inward. America, the media... Everyone is continually telling you that it's about you, 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 you. But the message of God is, is that it has nothing to do with you, but it is about me. And I am drawing you to me. I am turning you from your ways to my ways. I am helping you to relieve you of 
your sin so that you can live in my righteousness. You don't have any glory, so I'm trying to show you mine. We need to turn our focus from the mirror and turn it toward heaven. Today's message, we're going to continue in this passage which, which deals with widows and those that are in need. Uh, specifically widows, generally those in need. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to broaden out a little bit. And we're going to talk about the implications of church family in light of this text. Let's get into the scriptures. We're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 9 through 16. I have to apologize. The words won't be on the screen this morning. We, uh, never mind. <laughs> you are good. Man, that was sweet, wasn't it? Getting it together. Um, that reminded me, though. Um, Grant texted me this morning. He wants to give you a big, huge thank you for all of your prayers. Um, all of you who sent cards or flowers or whatever you might have done for them. Um, Cassie Joe had Jody um, night before last, 4.25 a.m. Had a big scare there for a minute. But um, Jody was born, taking an emergency C-section. And um, she's, she's doing just fine. God be the glory. It was life-threatening for a second. But uh, she came through it, and everything is great. Praise God. Praise God. And Grant wanted me to tell you thank you uh, for sticking by him. He loves his church family, and I just wanted to say thank you. You can continue to pray for her, though, because Cassie Joe's bilirubin levels, not the baby, Jody, but Cassie Joe's bilirubin levels have kind of escalated, and they're a little bit concerned about that, so they're keeping an eye on that. Um, she's got maybe some gallbladder issue, gallstone uh, issues, something like that, and uh, they're a little bit concerned about that, so they're watching it really closely, so please pray that those levels level out or that they catch it in time, and they may have to do some surgery to remove her gallbladder or something to that effect so please remember them as we are here and as you leave today so if you got Grant's number shoot him a text tell him you love him and that you're praying for him all right we're in first Timothy chapter 5 verses 9 through 16 uh, let's read God's word let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much. And I know that you are here today. I don't have any question about it. I'm not wondering, I'm not rubbing my hands together hoping you'll show up. God, I know that you're here. I know that you are backing what is going on here at the well, not because of anything cool or, or special that we're doing, but because you love seeing people come to the kingdom. You love seeing people change from the inside out, and we're witnessing it. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of it. God, I pray that you would take your word today 
that you would use it as a knife, as a scalpel, and that you would do heart surgery on us. For those who do not believe, for those who have not been reborn, for those who have not been renewed uh, by, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do surgery. I pray that you would go in and you would remove the heart of stone and that you would replace it with a heart of flesh. We pray these things in the power and the holy name of Jesus Christ. I pray for those who do know you and they have asked you to come into their heart. They have asked you to uh, renew them and to, to, to be reborn. God, I pray that they would be motivated, that they would be uh, pushed and prompted to take another step in their faith, God, that they would give more away and that they would hold on to less, that they would hold you more and that they would push away everything that the world has to offer, knowing that it offers nothing in light of your goodness and grace. Please be with the reading and the hearing of your word. God bless it. We know that it does not return void, and so we claim that right now, and we ask Jesus that you move on this place in an even greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're talking about church family, and what I want to talk to you about is the way that we are connected. I've got three points for you today, and what I'm going to do is, this is talking about widows, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to explain the text a little bit, but we're going to broaden out, and I want to talk to you about church family and the way that we react, the way that we interact, and the way that we go about loving one another. First point I've got for you is, we can't be completely external. Now, I know that we have some missionaries in, and these are your boys, right? And uh, you guys have been on mission for a while, a couple of you at least, right? Two of you? All four, wow, I know you're proud. I heard those guys singing and I was over there. I had to get a little closer. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, so what I want to say, and I appreciate these guys, and I appreciate all of you who go out and you, you minister, you're on mission. We have to have that. We have to be out there. We have to be about outreach. We have to be continually getting after it because Jesus Christ is looking to turn a world upside down. He is looking to show everyone that the first will be last and the last will be first. Showing people that it's not about what you have, but it's about who you know. But I think one common mistake of the, of the new church is that we are continually and only focused on external ministry and outreach and evangelism. Now, if anybody in here knows me, you know that I have a heart for evangelism, I have a heart for outreach and mission, and I want to be out there, and I want to be getting after it. And so this message is actually, if for no one else, for me. So I appreciate what these guys are doing, but what I know is, is that in thinking about this and in having a vision for this church and what the church should be in general before we ever planted this church is that what we know to be true is that churches usually go from one extreme to the other extreme. New churches generally tend to be completely externally focused on outreach, mission, driving out there in the community, but it, but it usually does a fairly poor job of ministering to the body that is within because we are so focused on building the church, which is legit, it's, it's, that's fair, is that we don't really have anybody here to work with. We don't have anybody here that will help us until we get those people in here. We're really excited about sharing Jesus. It's brand new. So we're out there. We're beating the hedges. We're getting at it. And that's great. That's awesome. We're sending people to Tennessee. We're going to Brazil next year. Uh, we've got... Um, one, Cesar, I'm not sure if Cesar's here today, but uh, he's looking at maybe putting together a trip to uh, Mexico next year. So we really want to uh, be about mission. We are continually working in our neighborhood and in the surrounding communities. 
But what this text is talking about is talking about ministering to the body of believers that is in this, in this room right now, in this community right here of believers. This is a city within a city, and you are a church family. I was talking to one of our uh, lead guys earlier today, and I was telling him that I really enjoy this church. I really love it here. I really am excited to come on Sunday mornings. And, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, uh, we've got a really good band, and, and I really enjoy to preach, and I love all that stuff. And, and Kidwell is awesome. Those guys get after it and the greeters they're they're wonderful and God is just moving here but as we get a little older we're only about seven months old right now or so but as we get a little older what we're seeing is what we've been praying for is that those family bonds are starting to show themselves and I'll tell you, as the pastor, as, as, as one who is learning this whole thing, because I've preached for a while. I've been preaching here and there for like 10 years, 12 years now, a long time. But as far as being a pastor, that's fairly new to me. I try to love on those people around me and evangelize. I'm more of an evangelist, you know, talking to people out there. The whole pastoring thing is kind of new to me. But what I'm seeing, I'm really liking is to interact with people and to see people loving each other and picking each other up and encouraging one another. It's really cool to see. This text here, it says, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. And it goes on through kind of a list here. The bottom line is, is that we must, must not be just about evangelism, but discipleship as well. And so we really get focused on getting out there and, and getting the gospel out and, and running around and going and doing and doing and doing. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. But how much time are we spending on each other inside the church? How much time are we spending loving one another and discipling one another and coming alongside of one another and saying, hey, what can I help you with today? How can I pray for you today? Can you come over to my house tonight and have some dinner with me? I just want to talk with you. Building those relationships. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of um, a debate on what this actually means because it says, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. And that, that idea there of her being enrolled, that's kind of a, uh, you know, a debate on what that means. But what I gather from the text and, and what I gather from my study is, is that this church in this particular time, they had some type of system set up to where if you were a, a, a widow and you were not able to take care of yourself, then what you would do is that you would be enrolled in the church in, in such a way that you would be a partner with the church in a special way that the church would pour into you. They would pour into you somewhat financially. They would pour into you physically. They would, they would love on you. They would help you to get through life and the things that come up. They would help you to walk through life. They would not make you walk alone. The idea here is someone that is, that is older, that is unable to do what they were able to do at one time maybe, and now they have no one that they can lean on, no one that they can depend on, no one that can come alongside of them and help them out. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in the room that are struggling with that right now, and you may not be older, but sometimes it's just hard to find a good friend, isn't it? Sometimes it's just hard to find someone that's going to stick by you through thick and thin we live in such a culture that everybody's ready to to get up and and run out and go over here and go over there it's really hard and now what we have is 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 the church has taken a back seat and they've allowed uh, the government to come in and be what the church should be now let me go ahead and say I'm not a very political person at all okay 
I'm not going to preach a political stance from here. I won't do it. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I am against uh, several different things. They're in God's word. But what I am going to say right here is that we have fallen short on what we are called to do because our culture has sold us the idea that it is the government's job to pick up our slack. And that's not right. What we are sold on is that, well, there's money over there, there's stuff over there that can take care of that. And so what we say is that we don't need to get involved with that. They're on welfare, they're on disability, they're on Social Security, they've got what they need, they'll be fine. But let me tell you right now that money is a, is a peon of the situation, of the issue. It's not, that has, that has very little to do with it now. Is money necessary in our culture for living? Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta pay your bills. You gotta do those things. But what I'm talking about is, is that not only should we come alongside of those who are hurting and in pain and alone to offer them some financial support, but we are to come alongside of them to offer them spiritual support, to offer them emotional support, to offer them, to offer them everything that the government could care less about. And as a matter of fact, you know, I love the United States of America. And I support the United States of America. Do I agree with everything? Absolutely not. But no president, no Congress, no leadership are you going to agree with everything. We have to trust God that he has put who he wants in place, and that's that. But I can tell you this, is that we need to be doing a better job than they're doing. They need to be looking at us and learning how it's supposed to be done. Amen? Why is the church taking a back seat on taking care of people? I get a little hot when I start thinking about it. Because we're just brushing people off and saying, can you take care of those? Knowing, knowing good and well they are not going to take care of them. They may throw a little money at it, but they are not going to take care of those people. We are a church family in here. We love one another. We seek one another. We build one another up. We get down deep and we cry with one another. That's what we're building here. And I will break my back trying to do that. I'm trying to learn that myself. And God's hit me with a few good ones right in the back. Guys, listen. You can come in here and you can get some jamming, rocking Christian music, and I love it. I'll be the first one to sing and just, well, holler, you know. Lift my hands and worship. I love my God. But let me tell you something right now. And if you hear nothing else I say today, nothing else I say today, you come in here on Sunday morning and you lift your hands and you, you, you do your heels and you got your legs pumping and your hands raising. Woo! And you go out there and you walk right by somebody in need and God's calling you to help them. You've done nothing. What good is prophecies of of, of 10,000 or words from on high or, or you can do anything that you want to do but without love it's absolutely useless and in vain and silly we got to be in the trenches y'all dig what I'm saying you hear me you feel me you know what I'm saying you got to be in the trenches you got to get way down deep inside with someone you got to go into the house and crawl up under the sink when it's moldy and you're like oh my god I might die but I love you so I'm going to look at this sink. I don't have a clue about plumbing, but I'm under here looking at just, I'm going to breathe the mold because you breathe in mold. Not really. Put a mask on. You see what I'm saying, guys? I, 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 listen, I'm not hammering the government because I, I really do appreciate the way that the 
government set stuff aside. And, and a lot of people want to say, well, I don't think they should do that. I don't think they should do that. I don't think they should do that. I think they should do it like this. I think that, well, let me ask you one question. If you want to come talk to me about politics and the way it should be done, you can do that. But you better bring me your plan. You better bring me what you did last month to help somebody. Bring me what you did to lift those up who were in need. Bring me what you did in order to pour into those who were empty. Hey, let's walk it. Let's don't talk it. Amen? Let's walk it. That's okay. This is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's walk out our faith. It's time to take a step in church. I, I, you know, we say it all the time here, but church is a hobby. It's kind of silly to me. I don't really dig just being churchy. I want to get out. I want to do. I want to go. That third sub point here is that we need balance. We need balance. We need to be looking not only at our budget, but we need to be looking at our people, at our resources, at the gifts of those who are under our care. We need to be sending them where they need to be sent, and we need to be holding them where they need to be held. We need to look at the gifts that God has given you, and we need to place you where he can best use you, not to just throw money at things, not just throw time at things, but to chip away at hard edges so that people would understand who Jesus Christ is. Let me tell you, we can also come to the point where we say, okay, now here is my list. I'm going to go see this person today, and I'm going to make sure that they got groceries in the house, and I'm going to make sure that they got this, and no, 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 But physical needs are not what it's about either. What is it about? Anybody, who is it about? Come on, who is it about? That's right. And so as we enter into someone's home, as we enter into someone's life, as we enter in, whether it be mission work, whether it be discipleship, whether it be local ministry, whether it be foreign ministry, it doesn't really matter. Our goal is to bring them to a better understanding of who Jesus Christ is, the work that he has done on the cross, the work of reconciliation, so that he can bring them back into wholeness, bring them back into fullness, bring them back into completion, bring them back into adoption and perfection. You see, you can go to someone's house. We can go over to Karen's house, and we can, we can finish the house. We can finish remodeling. We can, we can put uh, paint on the walls, door jams in, new plumbing, new whatever, get the water turned out from her house. But if we don't show her Jesus, if we don't do it in Jesus' name, if we don't lead her to a better understanding of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have only make her look better as she dies. Does that make sense? We only make her look better on the way out. By doing these things, by giving, by doing whatever, we are inviting people into the family of God. You see, that's why it's not just about doing missions. It's not just about doing evangelism. It's not even just about going and helping people where they are or evangelism. It's about showing people Jesus, bringing them into the family, letting Jesus use us to bring them into the family, and then discipling them into the faith so that they not, might know how to do and how to live and how to go. Which leads me to point number two. We don't enable, we empower. We do not enable, but we empower. These are just practical lessons that you guys, I hope you're taking notes. Because we need to be doing life on, we need to be doing life on, we need to be going out there and we need to be thinking about where we're going. Listen, do you go to the same convenience store every day? 
Do you think about the fact that you go there enough to start building relationships with that person so that you might be able to share Jesus with them? We live life on purpose, and we don't just do things to get people, to get people out of a hole real quick. We don't, just, we don't just throw money at situations. You see, we need to be different than the government in that. See, I know that you know people, and I know people. Some should be on welfare or disability or receiving some type of help, and they're not. They can't get on. They can't get social care. They can't do, they can't. We've seen this person, I've seen it firsthand here at the well. We also know those who should not be on it, and they are, and they're working the system. I've got stories. You know, I own, own a business, and so the, some of the things that I see is just crazy. And I know several other business owners in here, too. This will be the one thing that I say. I've actually had somebody get mad at me for giving them a raise because now they're getting too much money to get the government assistance. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, what? Okay, you make $3 an hour now. You see, we don't want to enable, we need to empower. We don't want to enable, we need to empower. You see, some people, they need other, another type of assistance. Some people, they don't need you to come alongside and just give them money or anything like that. They need another type of assistance. Let's continue reading in God's Word. It says here, it says, but refuse to enroll younger widows. This is verse 11. But refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. The idea is this, is that those who are deserving, and I, and I use that term loosely, there's, I just search for a word, but we, we discern true needs, okay? We don't want to say deserving because are, are any of us deserving of God's grace? No. Nah. And, and you can look at anybody, you know, a church that really wants to hold on to their money. And, I, you know, I know there are churches out there with huge bank accounts. I don't know what they're waiting on, you know. Spend the money. It's about the people. It ain't about the money. Okay? Now, there are times there's good stewardship. That's another sermon. But what I'm talking about is, you know, I don't understand how we can have so much and be given so little. I don't understand how we can have so much and be given so little. And so the story here, the, the text here is talking about this situation where we're looking at someone and we're discerning whether or not they are truly in need or if they have the capacity. Remember, we're not only trying to seek God and to be filled up by God, but you remember the lady at the well, and we often say this too if you're new here, what we say is that God is not only looking to fill you up, but you are a vessel which he is looking to fill up so that you might pour back out on those around you. See, it's not about you. Even salvation is not about you. Is that a big surprise? Your salvation is about Jesus. Now he came for you. He loved you enough. Your salvation is about Jesus. I'm sorry if it hurts your feelings, but that's the way it is. And what we need to realize is, is that we come to know Jesus Christ, we pour him back out. We pour him back out. And so we discern true needs. We look where we need to pour into people. We look where we need to empower people to get them back to a place that they can not only 
not only support themselves financially and physically, but that they can help others. You see, even with the older widows that cannot help themselves, they are not just money thrown at them and say, okay. But the text here is leading us to the conclusion that they have been enrolled into the church and, and in a large part, I believe it would be a good parallel or a good illustration to say it like this. To those widows that are having a hard time doing life without someone alongside of them, they're enrolled in such a way that the church comes alongside of them much like a husband would. And a husband leads his wife, he empowers her, he lifts her up. We're big on family here at the well. We, we smack men around all the time. I get smacked too. And we say, you lead your wife, you, you pour out for her, you be a servant leader, you love her, you make sacrifices for her, you put her absolutely number one right behind Jesus Christ. We are about men being husbands and daddies and sacrificing your selfish desires to do what God has called you to do in leading that family. And so these older widows who don't have that, no potential for that, the church has some type of program, and we can learn a lot from this. This is where the Word of God just comes into the church, and we're trying to figure all of this out. Because this is kind of like when the church would come alongside and be that husband of that widow. She has nobody else. And so they would bring her in. They would help her to find things that God has called her to do. You know, husbands, that's one of your jobs, is to help your wife find her gifts and to help her to be washed in the water, which is the word. You remember Ephesians chapter 5? You are to bring your wife through the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, to a place of fulfillment and use of Jesus Christ. Because... To be used by Jesus is the best way to be used. So even when we enroll those older widows that cannot provide for themselves and that type of thing, we're still leading them to a place of fulfillment because we are giving them uh, jobs to do. We're giving them aspects that they can be helpful, places that they can be used. It could just be prayer. You say, where do you get that? I don't see that in the text. Here in the text it says, it says, uh, but... Refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. So real quick, I don't want to get real deep because it's a real deep text. What he's saying is, is that if you put a, a younger widow that still has a lot of potential to get out there and get a husband and go back about doing life, she is going to condemn herself because she'll leave the former faith. Now, I know he can't be talking about once this uh, widow is... is um, condemning for her to remarry he can't be talking about that because he's going to tell them that they need to get remarried in just a minute so what this tells me is is that they have come alongside in some type of a covenant with the church for the church to be that pseudo husband so to speak to stand in the gap of that husband so they have almost married the church in some way they have entered into covenant, entered into relationship with the church in such a way that if they were to pull back apart from this and go over here and get remarried, they would be breaking this covenantal relationship, this agreement. Does that make sense? And so we are to empower, but we are to discernfully empower because some, they don't need that type of assistance. They need another type of assistance. And I know some of you uh, will, will really agree with this and you'll really like that. Some people don't need a dollar. They need to get a job. Amen? Some people don't need a dollar. They need to get a job. And that's what we do. And so we, we come alongside of people. And let me tell you something right now. We've seen that happen here at the well. Not, not 
specifically with widows necessarily. But what we have seen is, is that we, the, the, love, the love of Christ is going out through you and through our deeper class, which is a class that goes deeper into the, um, the Bible, the relationship with God, and speaks a lot to marital relationships and other types of relationships. What we've seen through that study and through the movement of God is that we've seen two couples, two couples who uh, were living together, having sex together, and, and doing things outside of the will of God, outside of the order of God, and what they have done is, is that God has moved in their life. And one couple, they said, look, we, we, we see God moving. We know what God's doing. We want to go away from what we feel like doing and what we would like to do. And we want to make an agreement with God. And they shared this in front of everybody. And so they said, we want to commit right now not to have sex again until our wedding night. That's God intervening. Amen? You know how crazy that is to the world? Now, maybe there's some people in here sitting right now who you're living together, your boyfriend and girlfriend, you might have kids together, but you're not married. Listen, I don't hate you. I'm not judging you. I'm not, I'm not condemning you. But what I'm saying is be blessed by God through his order. God cannot bless your relationship when you are walking outside of his order, outside of his design, outside of the way he, that he has called you to walk. That could be offensive, but... I'm not here to tickle your ears, but to lead you to a deeper understanding of Christ and to a better, blessed life. Another couple said, look, we want to go start premarital counseling right now. We want to get married. We want to, we want to do this thing right. We want to get married. We want to enter into that covenant. And we say, praise God. We are not here. Well, my family, we are not here to throw money at people or even to throw prayer at people. We are here to do life with people. We are here to show them whatever they need to see and be used by Jesus Christ to lead them into fulfillment, to help them to walk alongside of them, to help them up when they fall down, to reach up and be helped up when we fall down, because we will. We are here to lead people to live, not just to give them something that they need right now in this present moment the second here is that we need to get people involved where they are we need to help them to understand what their gifts are we need to help them to see where they are and this is not right. ah. we need to we need to lead them to a place that they don't have too much time on their hands and if you guys are like me, you got way too little time and you're way too busy. But you see how that is, and um, Mark has a good acronym. What would you say, busy? Bound under Satan's yoke. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that to just quit a lot of stuff. <laughs> and that's true. A lot of the times we get so busy with the good things in life that we let the great things fall to the wayside but just as dangerous as that is it is just as dangerous to have no use of your life at all you're not letting God use you you're not rolling up your sleeves you're not getting your hands dirty the best that you may do is come to church uh, one day a week or two days a week or whatever you want to do you put your your church life in a box you put your other life in a box and you say this is what I do on Sunday and this is what I do the rest of the time 
And what this is saying is, is that if you are not being used by God continually throughout your life, then you need to look in the mirror, examine your heart, to see whether or not you be in the faith in the first place. Listen, it's not about what you say. It's not about the word, using the right words. It's not about some prayer that you've prayed sometimes. That's getting close. You, it's not about coming down this aisle saying a 13-word prayer, you know, Jesus. A tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. And I do not tell you that to judge you, but to warn you and to get you to do some self-examination, some self-reflection, to see if you are lying to yourself and therefore confused. Confused. If you're not committed... You're in trouble. This message has been a lot about commitment because the bottom line is, and I deal with it all the time, we've talked about it, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but what I've found is, is that one of the things that takes most of my time here at the well is just putting out little silly fires all the time. And if you're a fire starter, please stop. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I always want to do that up here. I'm going to play that clip one day. I'll find a way. Ain't nobody got time for that? Guys, listen. Stop thinking this about you. I got to stop thinking this about me. If somebody offends you, shake it off. If somebody says something that you don't like, shake it off. So many people are so ready to leave the church in just a moment when something little bitty doesn't go their way. Maybe they didn't get to go where they wanted to go. Maybe they didn't make the team that they wanted to make. Maybe they're not here. Maybe they're not there. Maybe somebody said this, or they didn't get invited to this, or, or you know, somebody said something about this. And Man, it's not about you. It's not about me. You get committed. You dig down deep. You get in there, and you do the work of Christ. Because that is your responsibility. And if you have known Christ and he has come into your heart, he has come into your life, then he is, by definition, transforming your heart. You have been born into the newness of life. The old things are gone, they're passed away, and the new life has come. Do you see progress in your life? And I don't mean monetary. I don't mean success. I don't mean any job. I don't mean being blessed beyond all recognition with money just falling out of your pockets. I'm talking about do you feel fulfilled? Do you have pep in your step? Are you ready to go? Are you fulfilled? Are you blessed beyond recognition? And so you've got to tell somebody about Jesus. When the hard times come, do you find it weird that you're not as low as you used to be because you're standing on the solid rock? Ain't that where you want to be? Standing on the rock. It's time for us to get out of the gutter with our smiles turned upside down and wondering what's going on about me. It's not about you. Let's get that right. And let's come in here and let's worship. And let's give God our life. Let's go out there and let's be a living sacrifice and worship God with all of our life, with every minute, with every ounce of energy. And in doing so, you will be blessed more than you can possibly understand or realize. But because, because being used by God, being used by Jesus Christ is what you were made for. And when that happens, some of you, and I'm chasing this rabbit, but it's a big rabbit and i got to get him. Some of you are wondering right now, why do I feel like I don't know God? Why can I not 
you know, I hear you preaching, preacher. I hear them singing, preacher. I hear them doing this. I hear them doing that. And I hear those things, and it's wonderful. It's great. It's awesome. But I don't feel that. I don't see that. I don't know that. I come in here, and and I lift my hands because I want to know, and I want to see, but I'm not getting it. I would ask one question. What is your life like the majority of the time? Are you being used by God? Because to be used by God is to understand your place in this whole thing. And your utter utter sinfulness and your depravity and your sin. See, when you're used by God and, and the glory, you see, Paul says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. You know why? Because jars of clay make a treasure look nice. When you start being used by God and he fills you up with his glorious presence and with his righteousness and you understand your sin and you understand what he's done for you, you understand what it took for him to stay on the cross because he knew, he knew you then. He knew you then and he stayed on the cross. When you see that, you are utterly transformed and used by God like never before. And when you understand your sin and you understand God and you are used by Him, it's not even about that person anymore. Isn't that amazing? What if I sat here and told you today that if you will be Jesus to somebody, you will be more like Jesus when you leave? It is being used by God that is the ticket. I believe it. It is being used by God that is the definition of a true transformation. It is being used by God that is the evidence of a heart that truly believes. Lead people to live. Let's not just walk. Lead people to live. Aren't you tired of just being and doing And I know some of you have taken steps. And I just want to hear, if you have been moved by God to take a step by by seeing Him and being known by Him and being loved by Him, and it has moved you to action and you have been blessed because you have served, let me hear you say amen. Are you being blessed because you're serving? Isn't that a crazy mentality? You see, the government, they just want to put money in people. What we say is that what Jesus says, I did not come to to serve, to be served, but I came to serve. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If you're not serving, you are not being blessed. If you're not serving, you can't really see Jesus. We got to get down low before we can ever be lifted up high. That's the truth, guys. And we've got to lead people to live. This last part right here. And uh, Hambone's going to come up here in just a minute. And he's going to do some special music for you. And he's going to invite you. Let me tell you. It says here, it says, So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their household, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. You know what? You guys have the opportunity through your life of service, through your life of renewal, 
to rob Satan. You see, so many of us, we just walk around thinking, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I do this. I, do, I go to church. I got a pretty cool church. But I want to ask you here today, listen, if I could get everyone in this room to understand beyond, and it'll take, this, this is what I know. I don't think that I'm special or I can do that. This is what I know, and this is why we pray, that God would send the Holy Spirit to come to your heart right now to turn that switch, to turn that knob, to bring you to the place of understanding that to be used by God, to be used by God is to be blessed. It is to be renewed. And as you enter into that relationship with Him, and as you lay your life down, you will pick others up. You see, Satan is roaming around like a roaring lion, and he's coming after you. And he may not be able to get you now because you're in Jesus' hand. And what's he going to do? No one can take you out of Jesus' hand. But what about your neighbor? What about your, what about your brother? What about your sister? What about, what about that person that you work with? This is about family. It's about entering into life with one another. And what you need to understand is that God is doing a work in you to empower you to go beyond this life, to reach into eternity through the power of Jesus Christ and to rob Satan of people. You can steal people away from Satan. You can bring them in to the kingdom of Jesus Christ by being used by him by being transformed by Jesus Christ. Let's, let's not be average. Let's give far more than we are comfortable with. Is this, this is a little weird, a little radical. You're like, man, I don't know. I got bills next month. Yep. Jesus knows about those. Let's give more than we're comfortable with giving. Let's serve more than we are comfortable serving. Let's love more than we are comfortable loving. Let's get in our Bibles when we don't feel like it. Let's get on our face when we don't feel like it. Let's turn our whole life over to Jesus Christ. Utterly turn over to Jesus Christ and we'll watch, watch Him blow the roof off of this place. You'll be shaken to your core and you'll be changed forevermore and I promise, I guarantee, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ wants to change you? God, don't just walk through life. Live life on purpose. Hambo's going to come. He's going to do the invitation. God has been working in your heart today. You answer the call. I love you guys. Thank you for all that you do and all that you mean to me. Live life on purpose.